Vaccine. I'm Steve, and prepare to be disappointed. Adam Myros is here. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you. I, you know, I have an important question that's been bothering me. I, yeah. I guess I'll introduce it now before we get Jake involved because he's not the expert on such uh, abusive substances as as this. But are you talking about my relationship with you, or what? <laughs> no, no uh, substances, Steve. Substances. Oh. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm. Uh, I'm confused by podcasts as of late. There's this this new advertising craze for for micro dosing. But oh uh, yeah, the mushrooms, man. In my mind, that is exactly correct. Micro dosing is a psychedelic, but that's not what's being advertised. This is like micro dosing THC, which that's not what micro dosing is, man. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> it's like it's like you know when when old people take a baby aspirin for their heart. You don't really notice the effects, but it's it's probably good for you. <laughs> yeah, am I wrong? Microdosing is a term for psychedelic usage, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm more of a macro doser when it comes to these things, so I, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask, but uh, yeah. Well, I, all I know is these stupid fucking like pot gummy asshole companies are like, well, now we can put uh, one-tenth the amount that would affect any human on Earth and claim it's got health benefits and use a term that people associate with something entirely fucking different, and uh, no one will notice. Yeah, man, this is, this is, all, this is the new psychedelic re- uh, revolution. Wine moms are mushroom mommies now. It's a whole new thing. So you just got to get on board with it. If you ask why we're a Patreon-supported podcast, well, A, we don't make any money doing this, rest the fucking short, and B, it's because we don't want to get in bed with micro-dosing moronic bullshit, frankly. Hey, man, uh, you know what I like to do? I like to buy my my Delta 9 gummies from uh, Big Jim's Gummy Emporium. It's re- it's I think it's replaced the Delta Nine lingo. They've they yeah. they're now using micro dosing, which again I just I every time I hear it I'm like, wait, isn't that for fucking acid? Yeah, I I really do like the the evolution of all this though, because at first it was just like everything was CBD, and then they're like, no no no, it's not weed, don't worry, and you're like okay, and then they're like okay, so there's this stuff Delta Eight, and it's it's almost weed. But it's not quite weed. And now they're like, okay, now we got Delta 9. And then they're finally just like, okay, it's weed. It's just not illegal yet. So you could just buy weed now. It's fine. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, or if you live in Wisconsin, you can just drive over the border to Illinois. It's right there. So, you know, do, do what you will. Uh, also joining us today with uh, a child strapped to his chest, which is a little bit different because I know, Myros, you got that Glock 9 strapped to your chest, right, buddy? Well, I have the dog in my lap. I guess that counts. But oh yeah, the you're dog, telling people the now D-A-W-G. that I own a gun. WG. That's what you call your <laughs> your Desert Eagle. <laughs> now, not only are you attempting to purchase me a gun with the funds procured from our generous supporters, but you are claiming that I already possess a gun and must lust after a second gun in, in your mind. <laughs> yeah, man. Everybody knows about your fucking gun lust. They're going to see. They, they saw the, the gif you created from, from the proposition where that guy gets his head blown off and you're just looping it endlessly. Uh, but this isn't uh, about you and, your, and your, your lust for violence and blood. This is about Jake and his, his beautiful son. Jake's here. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Uh, microdosing is a technique for studying the behavior of drugs in humans through the administration of doses so low, quote, subtherapeutic, that they are unlikely to produce whole body effects but high enough to allow the cellular response to be studied. Huh. Boy, I can't wait to buy a fucking $30 bag of gummy worms that have no discernible effect. It's for study, though. Uh, Who's yeah. studying me? You're studying <laughs> yourself. You get a clipboard and you're a scientist, man. You gotta, all you need is a hypothesis, and then you gotta, you gotta check your, uh, your science. And, uh, yeah, test well, your Jake, theory. I've got a hypothesis worked out here, and my hypothesis is this product is fucking bullshit. All right. You know, maybe maybe if you studied yourself through the power of microdosing instead of, you know, studying gun forums on the dark web, you'd be a better person. You ever think about that? 
That's fair enough. So I'm a, fair enough. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm a bit behind in the uh, ongoing narrative of our uh, lives in these podcasts. Uh, Adam, you're now fully embracing the Second Amendment. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, well, that's that's the kayfabe here. Apparently, uh, that the, the, the Patreon, instead of being used to host our podcast, is now being used to procure me weaponry. <laughs> This is this is good. Well, I mean, because, you know, a, a while back we were like, oh, if we hit certain Patreon goals, we'll make Jack join the army. And then <laughs> I don't know how we got into it, but uh, like a few weeks ago or a month ago, I don't even I don't know anymore. But uh, we decided we were going to use all the Patreon money to buy a gun for Adam Myros, uh, which he was like, don't don't do that, <laughs> which as soon as he said that, you know, Jack and I smell blood in the water and. Uh, yeah, we just yeah. More specifically, I think I said don't even say that. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really send a good message to potential no. supporters of the podcast. I, I this is a twofold goal. It's one to get everyone to pull their funding from the podcast. Two to have like at least three cops knock on your door. So ah, uh, uh. we're getting there. <laughs> if he's got two guns, they'll never take him alive. <laughs> I know you're gonna send cops to my door. Maybe I should get a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Actually, I think I think since we started talking about how we're going to use money to buy you guns, we've gotten more Patreon subs. So, um, I don't know. Maybe this is a good idea. What what else can we buy you that's weird? I mean, plenty of things. We we could really get into this whole microdosing thing. Seems legit. What if we got you like like plastic surgery but not something you want? Like just like what like maybe some calf implants or like we raise your cheekbones a few inches. What do you think about that? You see me? I don't need calf implants. I got some. I got some good calves. Like I know. No, I'm not, I I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying like, can we make them a little bit better? The whole idea is like not plastic surgery you would want or ever consider. Well, I know, but the thing about plastic surgery, Steve, is it's it's usually a, a voluntary process. I mean, I don't think I would just like walk into the doctor and say. Well, I'm obliged for some reason to get this surgery I don't want. That, that doesn't According seem... to Patreon law. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Or no, we'll make you into like one of those like shitty cyborg people that are out there now. We'll just put like a, a fucking raspberry pie board in your arm or like a beeper in your in your foot. <laughs> Is that what life's like in the city? I, I wasn't aware these people were around. Oh, yeah, they're around, man. You just, you just got to look for them. Maybe oh, they have the more gelons and you're just fucking insensitive. <laughs> It's possible. I'm just talking shit to people with pacemakers. <laughs> Fucking cyborgs. <laughs> Who do they think they are? So I always, every time I see my grandpa, I'm like, what are you doing? You fucking nerd. Are you playing cyberpunk 2077? Hey, that could be a, that could be a tier goal for us. $5,000 nets Adam a new pacemaker. Yeah, we get him a new pacemaker. I mean, frankly, that probably wouldn't nerd. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm headed that direction. <laughs> like you, you might need one. <laughs> Yeah, if the doctor, if I was like, I'm going to get a pacemaker, the doctor would probably be like, yeah, okay, he's, I support this. He's going to need something to contain the thrill of firing guns all the time. Yeah, I know, man, your heart rate's too high, that's the problem. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of the thrill of firing guns, holy shit, we watched a bunch of Guy Pierce westerns, or pseudo-westerns, or almost westerns. We've got the the full spectrum of western, actually. We've got Australian and and dusty, we've got snowy, and we've got uh, actually it's the nineteen twenties, which is not too westerny, but just a little bit more gangstery. But you know, whatever. And then there's another Guy Pierce western movie that we didn't watch, but I also think it's I, I don't know how big his role is, and I'm pretty sure it's universally hated. So uh, that's I'm I'm fine with that. Which which one is that? Isn't that Rover movie? That that's sort of a western. That's too, sort right? of a western yeah. too. It's not that one. We already watched that. We've one. We've covered yeah. the Rover. Yeah, I'm not that the big rover. on it. I was kind of I was like, oh, we gotta have to watch this again. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> we just did the Rover like last year. Uh, no, there's another Guy Pierce western. Anyway, oh Brimstone, Brimstone, 2017. It's got it's got John Snow in it. Come on. Uh, Look it up in our back catalog. I bet you we did the rover like five years ago. <laughs> He's like, yeah, just last, last year. year. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. It's like that's that's there's 2017 and then there's present day. There's nothing in between those those years at all. 
Anyways. What about that Space Jail movie? Does that count? That seems kind of westerny. Yeah, like it's got a like John Carpenter esque type thing. Yeah, a little space western, I guess. He's kind of like an outlaw. Yeah, that's kind of people yeah. people like that movie. I've never seen it, it's, but uh, it's, I wouldn't uh, it's, mind. It's pretty fun, I gotta say. Uh, yeah, yeah, Pierce well, Pierce that, really that sells best. it, and I think that's that's who we're all here to celebrate. And uh, I think, yeah, I think uh, he's a. He's a great guy, great actor, and uh, this episode may have just been prompted by uh, a tweet I made several weeks ago about how Guy Pierce in a neo-western is a really good thing, and it kind of exploded, and everyone's like, oh, hell yeah, man, he's awesome, so we figured, why not, ch- why not check these movies? He is really fucking awesome, and he's kind of dropped off recently, like, I, don't, I can't name the last thing I've seen him in, except for, apparently, these, these VOD westerns that he's doing with Nick Cage or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's, well, uh, he made the mistake of entering into the weird character phase of his career. He's like, now I'm going to play like Johnny Depp cast-off roles. I got to do weird voices. Hey, <laughs> he he, he kind of does that with one of our movies, but I think it yes, works. Yes, he does. In... Yeah, there's, a, there's a clear delineation yeah. from like uh, the like Ethan Hawke, Brad Pitt vein of his career into the, uh, the zany character. <laughs> yeah. I... I, yeah, he's pretty much great in everything, but you're right, uh, Jake, he kind of flies under the radar a little bit. You don't, you don't think, when you think of, like, great actors, especially from, like, the 90s to the, you know, the first half of the 2000s, I, I don't think he's one of the first names that comes to mind. Also, just to kind of circle back to what do we do with our Patreon money, I think the answer is um, we have to sue the TV production company uh, that made a... Uh, Guy Pierce television series between 2016 and 2021 called Jack Irish, which I think we have trademarked uh, <laughs> since about 2014. So, Jeez, what is that? A, a TV show or one of our podcast hosts? <laughs> what is the? It's 16 episodes over five years. Must be British. I guess. Yeah, it must be British. Yeah, it's it's the story of a guy who goes to visit his family in Limerick and comes back with an industrial-sized suitcase full of 300 DVDs from, like, 2002. <laughs> <laughs> so really, it's it's compelling stuff. Yeah, Jack, Jack Irish, check it out. Uh, anyways, I, I figured we just go through this chronologically, uh, yeah, which is also fun because I think, I think the first movie we're going to talk about is the one that I enjoyed the least of the three. Uh, but it might be the best one to talk about. So go figure. Uh, this is a movie that I think for the entirety of my adult life, when people hear that I like horror movies or that I just like movies or that I have two eyes that are both functioning and some ears that both work, they go, oh, have you seen Ravenous? Have you seen Ravenous? I, okay, so you 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 like you like fried green tomatoes, but have you seen Ravenous? <laughs> like it's it doesn't fucking matter. There's always a guy who's just poking his fucking head out asking me if I've seen Ravenous. The answer is yes, I have, and now I've seen it two times. Uh, it's not me too. It's not a film that you normally think of when you think of like cult classics or anything. There's not big Ravenous screenings uh, every weekend or every October, but. For some reason, and there's a few good reasons, but this movie has a very dedicated cult following, or rather a very dedicated following of people who are trying to make it the biggest cult film in the world. Uh, it's, it's ravenous, and it, it's, it's a mess, but goddamn, there's some good stuff going on in here. <laughs> oh, this movie. This is like, I was saying before we started, this is a real journey through the decades, because this is... This is late 90s, but man, it's it's still clinging to the 90s, like like fucking poison in its blood. Like this is <laughs> this has got some real 90s problems. Uh and that that hits you right from the start with this fucking intro, which is a Nietzsche quote followed by Eat me uh, from uh, it's a great quote from Anonymous, which is if you are a horror fan, you'll probably recognize that that is almost verbatim the exact same opening from Freddy's Dead, which that's quite a flex. Yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so you would think this is like some broad comedy or something, but that's not really the case. I don't know why why the fuck they made that decision or any of the decisions that were going on in the opening credits where everything is like. 
whooshing on screen. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, the sound design is really bizarre. And a lot of things. So I, I let me say it right off the bat, just before anyone attacks me for, you know, going after this beloved cult film that not many people love. I, I enjoyed Ravenous. I've seen it once before. It was about 14 years ago. A guy I worked with at a movie theater. We would just exchange movies in our own collections to watch. And he's like, oh, you got to check out Ravenous. And so I, I remember enjoying it at the time, but I still feel like I couldn't embrace why he loved it so much. And then revisiting it again, I think it's a very entertaining but also severely flawed film. And I just cannot embrace the, the cult aspects of it that everyone seems to glom onto. I mean, like on paper, like, yeah, this film should be just a fucking knockout, but there are a lot of bizarre uh, stylistic choices that kind of keep it from and formal ones, too, that keep it just holding it back from greatness for me. Well, um, but I we still say, have a good time. <laughs> when you say formal or stylistic choices, uh, it kind of raises the question of who's making that choice. And <laughs> from what I understand, we started off with one director, mm-hmm. uh, a Macedonian gentleman whose name escapes me. And then from there, we get to uh, another director who I guess the cast was just like, no, we, we don't want this person to direct this film after just a couple of weeks. And then they were kind of just floating around without a director. And then uh, one of the actors in the film reaches out to uh, Antonia Byrne, who's a very accomplished British filmmaker. And she steps in to finish the movie. Um, but so you have you have these three different directors with three probably very distinct visions. And then you have whatever the fuck the studio did. And I, I, I don't know, some of the meddling that's going on here, it's like, what if you just like forced Guy Ritchie to edit several sequences under duress? And that's like the opening credits to this movie. Um, it's, it's all this like whiz bang comedic nonsense. And then you have this, these strange tone shifts throughout. And it finally settles into basically psychological horror but before it gets there it's it's a lot of 90s whiz bang shit you know that 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 beautiful period of time where everyone saw pulp fiction and you knew it and I, it's it's kind of impossible for me to say who was doing what here and and who made which choice but you've got these things going on and then the aforementioned music which you've have you have some pretty you know uh I guess we could say normal, <laughs> just uh, songs and, and, and sounds throughout the movie. And then you also have some tracks that were recorded by uh, Damon Albarn from Blur and uh, also Gorillaz. I guess this is what he did in between Think Tank and the first Gorillaz album, probably. Uh, but those are insane because they're just like his weird interpretation of classic Americana and folk songs. And it's completely fucking bonkers. Uh, so you have this, these wild music choices. You've got some extreme, almost slapsticky comedic elements. And then you've got the serious horror business. And at no point does it try to gracefully kind of go between these different things. It's just all sort of happening at once. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> you, you have to wonder, like where the fault lies with this thing. And again, people like it, so what am I to say? I oh, guess, but- we are in the minority, too. Lots of people that I love and respect fucking love this movie. Um, or shit, I, I think this is a favorite of uh, Scout Tafoya, he friend of the show. He did a really nice visual essay on this on uh, RogerEbert.com that you can go look up. Uh, but yeah, we're in the minority here, but fuck, this is, yeah, I mean, to me, it feels like it was, is like a hatchet. Like this editing is at times like just such a fucking mess. Like any time. And again, with director switching, who knows if it was just a coverage issue, if a lot of it is in post, but like anytime they're trying to portray like the supernatural nature of Robert Carlyle, it's just like, what, what, what am I even watching? Like what is fucking happening here? It's like, I sure hope you love like 
whip pans and <laughs> just it's <laughs> it's a very disorienting film whenever it, it tries to pull off any sort of action uh and man i don't know this is such a tough one because i think there's a lot of great performances like i think carlisle is excellent uh guy pierce is subdued but he's certainly doing some stuff and jeffrey jones is killer as well but it's just uh ah man something gets lost <laughs> along the way here because it well hey it's just like the style is just so grating at this point to me personally and I also feel like something is wrong with the structure at times. Like there's, I think the script is excellent. Like I think it's yeah. got mm-hmm. a, a lot to say about capitalism and America and using cannibalism as an allegory for that. And Jeffrey Jones kind of outright being like, Hey, this could all be yours. All you have to do is kill. And it's like, yeah, that fucking rules. What a great yeah. line. Like <laughs> fucking shoot it into my destiny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but um, I think there's so much here, and then Jeffrey Jones, like a scene later for no reason, is just like, "Well, kill me! I can't live like this." I'm like, "What? When did that happen?" Like, it just feels like something got lopped off <laughs> for some reason, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, seemed pretty happy like two minutes before that. I don't know what's yeah. going on. I have no idea. Like, I I want to love this movie because it has a fantastic cast and a a script I bet you was dynamite before changes were probably made to it, but I don't like it. (laughs) I think it's like difficult to watch at times and very off-putting and not in a intentional way, but, uh, you know, I guess maybe, uh, I'm out of my fucking mind. So there you go. It. It really kind of peaks at the midpoint for me when they go back to the cave and they discover that, uh, Car- uh, you know, obviously Carlisle's the guy who ate his whole, his group, and now he's the killer. And uh, that that sequence is actually a lot of fun with uh, Guy Pearce and Neil McDonough, which this must be his best screen performance of anything he's done. Uh, I fucking are, love Neil McDonough. I don't know. He, uh, he's got a lot of good performances, I'd say. Well, he's he's particularly great in this. I, I, he, yeah. I, I love His introduction is him just standing naked in a freezing river and screaming um but yeah no the when they're hunting carlisle through the woods and they go up to the cliffside like that stuff's all like riveting and but like it's over just a a tad too soon and then yeah we got it it shifts from the the horror of of like oh this guy eats people and he's a wendigo and the myth of that and it, it just is this i think steve said psychological gamemanship between the the guy who has tasted flesh and the guy who lives off of it and one's trying to coerce the other to his side but yeah it, it doesn't it's see on paper yeah i would love to have just seen like an unneutered vision of this film because i think what a lot of people cling to is just the idea of it being great and yeah the cast is absolutely stacked i mean uh david arquette and jeremy davies aside but there i think there's there's a lot to like and admire about this film but yeah again it just it isn't as satisfying as many had led me to believe it is. Yeah, there's something to that third act that I I almost prefer it. Like, I think it's going in, like, a really, really interesting direction, and it's where it really lets loose with the sort of political thesis. And, yeah, once Jeffrey Jones, like, returns to the film, I'm like, okay, I'm on board for what this is. Where is it going to go from here? But then it it kind of goes in... And again, it doesn't feel like it, I might be entirely off base, but it does not feel like it was necessarily the intended ending of this film. But something happens where it's just like, oh, Jeffrey Jones is going to essentially commit suicide and everyone's going to die in a bear trap or something. And you're like, this, this is what you were building to like it. Ah, when they're all just kind of like sitting around and discussing the merits of cannibalism i'm like well this is interesting this is the film i want to be watching and uh yeah the wood stuff is good but it does get into some stylistic elements that really (laughs) rub me the wrong way but i i don't know when they're getting chatting and these great actors are just kind of hashing it out about this broad allegory for american capitalism then uh yeah sign me the fuck up (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's I, I it's it really is hard because just just breaking this movie down to most of its individual parts, I I fucking love it. But uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Someone do a fan cut where you fill in all the blanks with a mysterious work print that may or may not exist. And also just cut out every single scene with David Arquette. And this is a five out of five. <laughs> like it's, it's pretty much a perfect movie beyond that. Um, no, I, I don't know. It, it, most of the time I'm like, man, f- fuck remakes. But someone, please the love of God, could, could remake this and, and make something special. Or maybe it's better just as an oddity because it, like it or hate it, there is absolutely nothing else like it. Uh, tonally, visually, it is on a totally different wavelength than most other movies. Uh, but it also has this just gross studio 90s stink to it that it cannot wash off. Yeah, it's just, fuck, the, the, the calendar needed to roll over to 2000 before they put this thing out, and then maybe we would have got something else, I guess. But Yeah, it would have been the same movie, but with a, a yellow uh, color filter over the lens. <laughs> or, yeah, I guess we'll get into it with the next one, what they might have done. Uh, but, um, yeah, this it's not surprising, I guess, that I, I like the script a lot, because the guy's gone on to do some some very tight screenplays, uh, like Ocean's Eleven, your matchstick men. He created uh, Terriers, which is an excellent sort of one-season series. Uh, yeah, he's got a good resume. Guy can write. This is a well-written film that is broken fundamentally somewhere along the line, and that's a damn shame. Yeah. Sorry, the, the, the ravenous, ravenous fans are going to come for us. Now, do you think people ever stop asking me if I've seen it? Uh, well, I don't know who the fuck. What are you like hanging out in grungy video stores or something? I, no, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, go, go to point. a screening at like any like indie or art house theater or whatever for like a horror movie or something. And I swear to God, someone will just pop up and ask you if you've seen Ravenous. <laughs> Bound to happen. Sweaty guys waiting for popcorn love to fucking talk to me. I just, I guess that's the vibe I give off. I don't know why. If I saw me, I wouldn't want to have a conversation with me personally, but whatever. Um, well, that's, shit, why, I, that's, I don't... that's why you got to carry a gun. Yeah. Exactly. Anybody asks you about Ravenous, you just shoot him down. <laughs> exactly. Adam Byros always strapped. He dresses like Neo from the Matrix. He just fucking whips his black leather trench coat around, shows off his, uh... his dual desert eagles. With the the custom etched names on the side, like, uh, what's oh shit, what's uh, <laughs> what's the fucking movie with the Irish brothers in it? Billy Connolly, the Boondock and, uh, Saints, uh, Boondock. Yeah, Adam Barros <laughs> is this Boondock guns. <laughs> Fuck the gun! Yeah. I want to get Adam a pair of sunglasses that he clips onto his nose, like Morpheus. Yeah, Boondock Saints. This is that's that's the right. You're right in the wheelhouse here. This and Boondock Saints are like sister films, <laughs> except this oh, is well written and that's the worst written. But they both so, have the same after, sort of terminal '90s disease. After we purchase Adam Maros's arsenal, if you donate to the Patreon, it'll go towards legally changing his name to Boondock Morpheus. <laughs> oh, it's the same year too. 1999. Fucking nuke it, nuke it, yeah. man. We don't want to fucking ever watch. It's, it's the year of cool. <laughs> Look, pre Y two K was a very edgy time. We did not know the future that lay before us. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine, also the year of the Matrix. Um, but we have to, uh, yeah, we we, we know we, there's uncertainty uh, in our expansion, and uh, yeah, we uh, we had to kind of just face the fears of uh, the future, man. Yeah, it's it. We didn't know what was going to happen next. All we could do was assume that computers wouldn't be able to. Uh, go to 2000 and also we had to listen to Limp Biscuit. it was the way things were okay unfortunately this film was not very predictive and the capitalists have in fact not died in a bear trap so uh that's, that's the darkest timeline <laughs> yeah and also i don't think i don't think anyone who believes in like you know colonialism or uh, manifest destiny or the the you know benevolence of capitalism i don't think they've ever stopped and gone man this sucks and just like shot themselves in the head uh so oh well you can I got, dream i gotta say just to tie up ravenous real quick i quite like the score i think it's one of the best things about the film um mm-hmm. apparently the score is a, a point of contention for some people but i thoroughly enjoyed it and i think yeah given the era we're in we were maybe one bad rewrite away from it just being a total new metal score like, like, can you imagine this thing just going to a heavy metal guitar and screaming in the end credits? 
Like, oh, oh my God. you just got your mind melted by this Western vampire movie, man. I know they're not vampires, yeah, but still. That's, I mean, it, th- that's the other thing, too, is like it, it's got almost like two soundtracks to it, right? Because there's the Damon Albarn stuff and then there's the actual score. Mm-hmm. And the score is great. And I think it 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 reuses some tracks from another or it doesn't reuse it. It uses discarded tracks from another movie. Um but it it uses them well, and then we've got the wacky Damon Albarn stuff, which, uh, to your point, that could have been Drowning Pool if it was six months later. It could have been Disturbed. It could have been uh, God knows what. But thankfully, that was not the case because, you know, Britpop may have been I'm, dying out. But I'm, the- like, <laughs> envisioning that if this was made a few years later, it would be classy. But there's also the possibility that it would just be that sort of fucking sleaze bullshit. So it could have gone either direction. And this is mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Jake. I, I, I don't mean to shit on the score. It's very strange. It's a strange score. It's uneven. Uh, again, in post, they probably didn't do it any favors. I don't feel like it's necessarily weaponized properly. but I think it's a positive aspect of the film. It's a very interesting piece of music uh, running through this thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, our little boy Guy Pierce, uh, he, despite already being a very slender man, decides to get down to what I can only assume is about 60 pounds. <laughs> and he partners up with our favorite bald boy, John Hillcote, and one of my favorite musicians, Nick Cave. And together they make a little Western called The Proposition. And I would propose that in the history of cinema, a film has never been made with more fucking bugs in it. There are so many damn bugs in this movie. This is the dustiest, grimiest, grimmest Western you will probably watch. And it's one of my favorite kinds of movies because we talked about this a little bit when we did the uh, uh, Claude Chabot episode last week. You kind of know from the jump where this is going. And at any point, the movie feels like it's going to lead exactly where you think it's going to lead. But it doesn't make it any less compelling. So, uh, Jake, what the fuck is the proposition? Uh, it's fucking awesome. It's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, uh, an Australian Western through and through. It's also a very singular vision of hell. Bugs notwithstanding, it's like just one of the yeah grimmest, bloodiest, filthiest fucking movies ever, and I think it's all the better for it. But Guy Pierce is uh, the brother of a notorious criminal who leads a gang, and he and his younger brother are captured by an English cop who's in town, and uh, or a soldier, whatever he is, and uh, says, "Listen, your brother is uh, going to be punished unless you go kill your older brother for me and bring me back his head." And then the film is a guy Pierce hunting and wrestling with this uh, quest. And yeah, it's just such a a, like perfectly unfiltered, just orgy tastic of violence. I love it so much. And uh, yeah, uh, it's just great. It's fucking great. Yeah. You know, I I get the whole idea. How do you guys feel about it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of of British colonialism, you know, they're just taking over everything. But personally, if I was the king of England, I would have left Australia alone. It doesn't seem like a place I want to be. Uh, very hot, very dusty, a lot of bugs. Uh, and and then, I mean, the whole backdrop of this movie is just like, I need to tame this wild country. It's like, no, everything hates you and wants to kill you. And also, you literally just invaded a giant mass of land so you could turn it into a prison colony because your own prisons were overcrowded and you couldn't, like, ship prisoners to America anymore. Uh, And then, look, a generation or two later, (laughs) you've got this, you know, uh, this lawless wasteland that they're still trying to control instead of just, you know, letting things be the way they could be. Uh, It's an amazing movie. It's just like I said, unbelievably bleak and grim and violent in these just little bursts uh, that are like a, like little gut punches every time you, you get a taste of it. Uh, it opens with a violent gunfight, which I respect. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for my money, I don't think it gets better 
for as far as modern westerns go or at least westerns from this decade from this era it, i don't think it gets any better than this uh well i guess that all depends what you call a western you know but uh for me i think i probably don't like this as much as either of you uh i don't deny anything of this film like i think it's a, a, a singular piece of art and that a lot of that comes from the nick cave score it feels incredibly alien and uh it's just so stark but it, to me this is like what kind of defined like this is an incredibly important film for this era like this came to really define the style that the the neo-western would take and it's like i calling it a journey through the decades this is a super 2000s film to me because it is so formative in this sort of western revival and it has a lot of the things that a lot of filmmakers would go on to try and replicate to various degrees of success with these like kind of so a desaturated stark like ultra wide landscape shots it's just that it is a very interesting looking film it's a it's just for me you know maybe a little much with the <laughs> the misery the misery it's just very miserable it's pretty relentlessly miserable um yeah. but uh, shit I, it just adds such a great layer to it. I love movies where you, I don't, I'm not rooting for anyone. It's like you, you're just you're just rooting for a giant like you're just rooting for the sun to just collide with the earth and just kill all these fucking idiots. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, how just uh, Winstone. Yeah, you like you said, he's kind of sent here to colonize the land. But no, this is a, just an inhospitable wasteland and everybody already has their own fucking problems i think it's like they don't need this english nuisance about them but yeah it, it's I, I as i i can i can understand just you know not being on board with just the, the total grimness but you know as far as and we'll get into our third film which is the same writer director duo that this film has but i think this is the definitely more successful entry between the two of them oh and, i and without a without a doubt yeah. to me like it's it's far more of a like this feels like a an auteur kind of arriving and being like this yeah. is where things are going and the other film is we'll get into it but it's not that <laughs> yeah but i i it kind of makes just looking back at ravenous i just wonder what that film would be like with uh a, a, just such a singular vision as this one um and one that's not meddled with by studio interference uh like the, i think that could be on par with something like uh, the great silence is a good snow western but yeah, as far as uh, you know, just taking a taking the idea of a western and then just subverting it and putting it in a new locale, and uh, yeah, draining it of every, anyone with fucking empathy or morals, it's uh, it's really something to behold. And uh, yeah, yeah, every few minutes there's just a very nasty, like you'll get a, a head explosion or. A, beheadings are pretty common in the latter third of the film um one guy gets fucking stomped to death and it's really grisly it, it's very not nice but uh i yeah. can't, a lot of stomach shots oh, don't sleep God. on the stomach shot gut people shots. don't know like that's the worst place to get shot getting shot in the gut and there's boy, one they, they loved him where you don't even realize what happens uh because there's like a guy sits down and you hear a gunshot off in the distance and he sits down and then it just cuts to a close-up of his stomach and his shirt just starts pooling with blood and it takes you a moment to realize oh he got that was a gunshot we heard and he got fucking blasted in the in the gut it, but yeah it's it, uh, it kind of relentless but you know and i i again i understand if it's not your cup of tea but uh i i just, i'm all for this kind of thing and i think uh yeah. you know Pier pierce is uh he's our taciturn leading man but i think he does a good job it's something yeah. about the the western that does not like it's not like i'm against the uh, grim films certainly i mean we we went in a, a few weeks ago about some some really nasty stuff and and uh i'm all for it but something about that and the western aesthetic just tends to clash with me for whatever reason i mean i i can look through some similar films like the rover bone tomahawk these these just aren't things that really ever work that well for me for some reason uh that that's a personal failing obviously but uh this is better than either of those and it's a uh, again it's just a, a beautiful film and mm -hmm. a signature work for 
the genre and the time period and the director uh and you know you you want to like this feels like it could be a Cormac McCarthy adaptation which obviously the stuff that followed his follow-up was The Road and uh, uh, No Country mm-hmm. for Old Men was shortly right after this as well and and yeah mm-hmm. I suppose if if you're really into that sort of nihilism then uh, you'll really love this but I'm I, <laughs> I, right. I, yeah I can be I mean I I love No Country but that's a Cohen movie you know it's got humor this is this no is there's no there's joyless. no humor no. again like everyone is is awful yeah. In, yes. in one way or another and it's funny too because i think nick cave's script is is fantastic and i like the way that he kind of plays with this because some of the characters are i mean they're easy enough to make terrible but they're still no one's one-dimensional like there's things you like about everyone but also you're like well they're they're all pieces of shit and the the only sympathetic characters really is is the youngest brother who's barely a character at all. I mean, he's just this this thing that they're trying to save, uh, locked away, just kind of crying and screaming and and really not able to comprehend everything that's going on. And then you think you think the one woman in the whole damn movie, uh, who's the uh, the captain's wife, you're like, oh okay, she's going to be sympathetic or whatever. And then Nick Cave kind of twists it around. You're like, no, she's just kind of a hoity-toity dick. And also, she pretty much, like, walks into town so she can convince her husband to, like, flay this emotionally stunted, developmentally disabled man to the point of death. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck everybody in this movie. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, you Absolutely. you can get away with that with some smart casting, which this does. I mean, you're always going to get charisma out of Ray Winstone or uh, Danny Houston. Like these are just very charismatic performances, frankly. And yeah, yeah. there's yeah. not much to really critique with this film. Like I think it is exactly what it wants to be, and I think it is. Yeah, it's just a really expertly made thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a bunch of grimy filthy people covered in bugs that are all on simultaneous like suicide collision courses with each other and they're completely aware of it yeah and, and there's a scene ready to die the whole time yeah. well yeah also oh, yeah. i was gonna mention that a hauntingly beautiful score by nick cave and yeah. warren ellis it's a t- oh, tremendous yeah. work from the both of them and this sure. is peak, like, Nick Cave has always kind of sung like a pirate, if we're going to get real. But <laughs> this was like peak boat music for him. This is when he was in his boat era. And goddamn, he, he's really nailing it here. And I love the, like, kind of creepy, whispery, spoken word stuff that he's doing, too. Which, I, when I was watching that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is some Jake Trapila shit. This is real Terrence Malick going on here. Uh, but yeah, man. it's fantastic score. Really, really good stuff. It is a wonderful score. Uh, I, you, it's easy to draw parallels with Ravenous on that front. Uh, you know, famous musician contributing, but um, this is what it looks like when you manage to integrate it properly, because <laughs> it, it works a hell of a lot better here. And it, it works in Ravenous, but uh, there's, there's just a, a whole different level of, of polish to this film. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess we should jump into the last movie we've got to talk about, uh, which... I, I, my brain is having trouble with this film. So, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> John Hilco, he makes yes. the proposition, okay? He makes The Road, which gets, you know, award nominations, it's a big deal. And then, my brain just goes blank. Like, if you, if you'd ask me, like, oh, you know the guy that did The Proposition on The Road? Yeah, 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 what did he do after The Road? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing comes to mind. Yeah, fair and enough. And here we are, 2012. He makes a movie with Tom Hardy, Guy Pierce, uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Jessica Chastain. Okay, this uh, Gary Oldman's in it for like ten minutes, but <laughs> yeah, so you've got this amazing, amazing cast, and I have no recollection of the movie Lawless from 2012 existing. Zero. 
Zero. Yeah, it's like one of those uh, like uh, James Gray movies or uh, Scott Cooper, where you're like, oh, that's why is there like thirty <laughs> famous people in that movie oh. from a guy who made acclaimed films, and I've never fucking heard of it in my life. Yeah. He's just oh, on you, Netflix. And then you're... it gets fucking weirder. It gets fucking weirder because you're like, okay, so let's say that I fell into a black hole in 2012. Something happened. Something was going on in my life. I wasn't paying attention. I missed this one. Well. You know, he's still making stuff, so surely I have seen his follow-up to the 2012 film I did not see. It's called Triple Nine. It was released in 2016, okay? Now listen to this. It stars, like, Casey Affleck. It's got uh, Kate Winslet. It's got Woody Harrelson, uh, Gal Gadot, like, a bunch of people in it. Arguably a more stacked cast than uh, the 2012 film. You ever heard of Triple Nine? No, I haven't. I, no. This movie does not exist. I don't know what the fuck this is. I watched the trailer. Like, I've never seen this before. How the fuck do I not know what this guy? How? How have both of these eluded me? How is this? What is wrong? Is this is this my failing? What's going on? Well, having seen Lawless, I'm going to go ahead and absolve you, Steve, because it's, it's not very essential. <laughs> it's, it's the exact sort of movie that James Gray and Scott Cooper would be making, I feel like. Yeah. This kind of yeah. slips away. <laughs> Jake, I feel like you're more tapped into this shit. Is my brain broken, or is am I right to have completely forgotten these it, films existed, or never knew that they existed in the first place? It's no, you're not. You're not wrong. And yeah, these are not. No, nobody talks about these movies. Even though I saw both Lawless and Triple Nine in theaters when they were released, uh, <laughs> no, I, you know, I was hoping for Proposition Part Two on on either case. Didn't get it. But um, no, this these feel like uh, what happened. Let's get oh, this guy directed this film. Let's have a an American studio import him and do this movie for us. There's a lot of studio meddling that went on with Lawless. And let me go ahead and just uh, r- r- spill some tea here, I guess, or whatever. Uh, I actually went to a, 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 a test screening for this movie in Ooh. 2011. Back then, it was called the wettest county in the world. Uh, it didn't have <laughs> it, it. Didn't that was because uh, that was the the the, biograph- the autobiographical book it was based on or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a lot more violent, and uh, there was a lot of expository scenes that are in the current cut of the film that were not present before. So like, like a lot of stuff was re-added to clear some stuff up. But it was it was definitely a messy but much more enjoyable film. But yeah, now. They changed it to Lawless, and it's uh, it's it's a a compromised effort from John Hillcoat, and uh, really kind of feels it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna guess this is a wild stab in the dark that that lazy ass uh, Shia LaBeouf voiceover uh, intro outro is not part of the original cut. The, this man, well, he sounds fucking half asleep. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I actually believe it or not, the vo- the VO was in uh, the original cut that I saw, especially because there was like a really big payoff with uh, after Tom Hardy is shot like four times in the final shootout, and then we got the vo- VO saying he walked out of the hospital two weeks later. Like the audience, uh, the test screening audience was like cheering at that point just because they love seeing indestructible Tom Hardy in this movie. Uh, and I, I quite like him in that. But yeah, the, I think the big problem is, though, is that this film just really lacks a personality that the proposition has. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it technically it does a lot of things well. Um, but uh, and I guess overall I enjoy it, but there's nothing distinct about it. And that's the big problem. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's that's the, there's not like I don't have huge complaints about this movie, but like Myro said, when you watch the proposition, especially in the context of when it was released, it feels like this beautiful, singular, auteur-driven film that kind of ushered in uh, this little wave of of neo-westerns. And when you watch Lawless, you're like, I I would have like rented this from the from the local blockbuster in 2007. Like, it, there's no there's no personality to it. There's mm-hmm. nothing. Like, it's just this faceless thing that you're like, well, I guess it's here. I'll watch it. Or, you know, you're, you're mindlessly flipping through the, the cable channels on a free HBO weekend and you just leave this on. Like, that's what it feels like. It's. It, it's not terrible, <laughs> but it just it just has no personality and it has this really kind of sharp digital look to it that strips the life out of it. And uh, ultimately, there's just not a lot there. 
Yeah. yeah, it's not like a particularly striking film, uh, which is odd considering the pedigree of the people involved, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it also, to me, like, I know it's still Cave, it's like bring, getting the band back together from the proposition, but it doesn't feel like the right fit for Hillco. Like, this movie feels like it should be kind of funny, like, it, it should have these jokes like you're talking about with the indestructible Tom Hardy. It always feels like the setup for a joke that's never told like this is kind of a a cohen-esque situation sort of thing where you'd be like setting up this man to seemingly die over and over again and it's just never happening but it's not played for anything (laughs) it just sort of happens yeah well i gotta say that i mean the reason we're here podcasting i think the guy who is trying to do something is uh our good friend guy pierce who is well, he's this, doing something? He's this uh, Chicago dandy import who's like a very psychotic and but very particular uh, psychopath. A psychotic psychopath is what he is. <laughs> but uh, I think he's the uh, the best thing about this movie. Um, if, if there's anything to remember it by, it's his performance and his look. So this is Guy Pierce on the road to Prometheus. <laughs> I mean, hey, same year, incredibly enough. This was this was like a weird looking at the cast. This was like a lot of, oh, these people are hot right now. Let's grab them. Like Jessica Chastain was a year out from the Tree of Life. Uh, Tom Hardy was fucking Bane at the time and his star was rising. A, a, a lot of a lot of people that Mia Vasikovska was in a few things in. It's like a, it's a lot of let's grab these people and put them in oh, here. Yeah. Dane DeHaan, he was a hot young fellow at the time. Yeah, uh, I guess LaBeouf is maybe a little past his prime, but <laughs> that's all right. Was yeah. this before um, or after he did that Tank movie where with Brad Pitt, where Brad Pitt got before. pissed off? Was, okay, that was like 2014. He did Fury. Shit. Fury, yeah. I just, oh, I just remember that. From our favorite director, David Ayer. <laughs> oh, the best. So, uh, yeah, subscribe Brad, Brad $10,000. Brad didn't like him in that movie because he refused to shower because he wanted to be more like a soldier. And he said Shia LaBeouf just smelled like shit for like six weeks. Well, yeah, it's just pretty <laughs> great. Shooting in a cramped <laughs> tank with a guy who's just like cutting his own face to be a method actor. Oh, <laughs> Jesus You Christ. love it. Yeah. Hardy is really good in this as well. I'll, I'll grant that. Like he's, this is one of the more legible uh, Hardy performances. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I say, anytime he puts on his brass knuckles, I, I kind of get excited. Uh, yeah, that's very true because there's yeah. a very satisfying clink noise in the sound design when he, he hits a guy in the skull or the teeth. Um, God, that's like a thing that should be lauded in in both of these Hillco films. It's the yeah. sound design in both is just fan fucking tastic. And I think the also he's he's really underutilized, but uh I think Jason Clark is uh kind of fun as Howard, the the hulking big brother of the family. There's the scene where the sheriffs come mm-hmm. to threaten the brothers and Tom Hardy goes, Have you met Howard? And he comes storming out of their little shop and just beats the shit out of both of them. Jason Clark Low key, always good. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's just kind of not. I, I mean, he's I he's in a bunch of stuff that I don't think it, I've have seen that is good, like the Pet, Se- Pet Cemetery remake. I I think uh, or or Chappaquiddick. I wasn't running out to see, but uh, yeah, I feel like he's he's a guy who's yeah, like you said, he's always pretty good. But yeah, just, he, he's, he needs he's the right got project. that. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Patrick Wilson. Uh, path at this point he'll he'll do mm. your shit but he's he's gonna do it professionally he's yeah. always gonna be uh, doing his best in the thing and uh he's yeah, right. i like him mm-hmm. he's a golden nugget in a pool of diarrhea so <laughs> good for him or in this case a golden nugget in a pool of like reasonably shiny rocks that i'm not interested in yeah uh very true i'm i'm not <laughs> much interested in this movie at all it just it just passed me by you know i i was it's not like again this is not a movie you will watch and be like well it stinks but it's a movie you'll watch and be like really this is a john hillcote movie yeah this is a weird cave score like there's only like that one church scene that's like oh shit something's going on here yeah again it's just all just feels like let's bring these guys in they've established what they can do but then they see what they can do and like, oh, no, we can't have this. And so we, you know, we got to reshoot these 
and uh, you know we gotta add this here you gotta take this out oh this is too violent uh, like it's yeah they just completely uh, a, a depropositioned the proposition basically mm-hmm yep that's that's pretty much it and i gotta say i just watched this movie today and i'm still not sure if i've actually watched it or not i <laughs> <laughs> see that that's part of our journey through the decades see the 90s garish madness uh the 2000s this sort of stark nihilism and in the in the 2010s we have studio interference mm-hmm it was, it's that's pretty much it this is the yeah. full cinematic journey of the last you know 30 years or so uh but yeah i i think that pretty much wraps things up are we gonna are we doing triple nine next week what's going on oh boy oh god yeah <laughs> Myros, what are you putting over uh, as per usual, I don't watch anything, but, uh, you know, we've been, we've been discussing, we mentioned Terrence Malick, we're talking neo-westerns, I even heard a Casey Affleck mention, let's talk about, uh, what would be probably my pick for the best neo-western is the assassination of Jesse James mm. by the coward Robert Ford, uh, which is a movie that does have a lot more of that sort of warmth and humor in it, despite being, uh, you know, essentially also quite nihilistic, but, uh, you know, there's some counterweights to it and, uh, just what a gorgeous film. Uh, the director, Andrew Dominic actually has that new Marilyn Monroe biopic on Netflix. I'm sure that's fucking great, but, uh, <laughs> you know, once upon a time, he made a great movie. Are people mad at her accent or something in the Marilyn I, Monroe movie? That would involve me being plugged into discourse, Steve, which I am not. So uh, yeah, the wrong I, I mean, it's not hard to do, Marilyn. You just stand over a fucking sewer grate, and you're like, <laughs> uh. yeah. Anna Nicole Smith did it, right? We, we, yeah, we just got to do that Anna Nicole Smith voice. <laughs> oh, Daddy Lynn. <laughs> you stand over the sewer grate, then you go fuck a baseball player. I know how it's done. All right, why, yeah. why don't why don't I get to play Marilyn Monroe? Give me one good reason. That's what I thought. Jake, what are you putting over? Yeah, well, uh, if you're uh, interested in checking out more films starring our very own Guy Pierce, uh, I rewatched uh, L.A. Confidential two days ago, and uh, I think that movie is uh, a, a pitch-perfect screenplay, uh, if you will. Uh, it's really just uh, perfectly realized, and Guy Pierce is fantastic in it. There's uh, one scene where he has to react to something I won't say what, but if you've seen the film, you probably know. And uh, it's uh, some of the best uh, screen acting ever. But uh, yeah, also check it out for many other reasons. You got Russell Crowe as a enforcer cop. He's fucking awesome in it as well. And uh, yeah, I got to say, our uh, dearly departed Kevin Spacey does a pretty good job in it as well. But uh, yeah, LA Confidential holds up. Check it out. <laughs> dearly departed. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what am I putting over this week? It's a great question. I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch a lot either. I, I had, a, had a funeral I had to go to, a bunch of other shit going on. A busy man. Finally saw uh, Nope last night, and uh, my reaction is, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it's fine. A lot of people are very high on it. I feel like Jordan Peele is going to take the trajectory of a M. Night Shyamalan, basically. Where, oh, yeah, for sure. That's a good, that's a good call. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a lot of, lot of similar interests with these guys, but this is him, like, really, really embracing his Spielberg. But that's not what I'm putting over, because I liked it, but I'm not, you know, not over the fucking moon. Here's what you need to do if you're listening right now. Uh, I'm putting over a, a Kickstarter, believe it or not. So, Deaf Crocodile Films is restoring Sal Watts' semi-lost, well, mostly lost, uh independently shot action black exploitation film Solomon King from 1974 Solomon King uh it was written produced directed starring Sal Watts uh the only version that exists it looks like someone poured like pink highlighter all over it it's fucking awful looking so uh Jeff Crocodile is doing some amazing work they're about halfway to their goal of $15,000 uh, they still got a few weeks to go, so be a deer, throw them a couple bucks. Uh, you can pre-order like a, a Blu-ray from them through the Kickstarter, uh, or if you if you don't want to do that, you just give them a couple dollars. But uh, whether or not you give a shit about the movie, 
It's good. This is a good thing to do. No, these, this is a, an era of American filmmaking and a, and a style of film that people aren't going to go out of their way to restore and to save. So uh, do, do the film world a solid. Put your money towards something good. Uh, or just, you know, give us money on Patreon and we'll, we'll buy uh, more weaponry for Adam Myros. And speaking of which, yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast this week, do us a big favor. There's a link that'll take you to our Patreon and you can give us money. And why would you give us money? Well, podcasting's expensive, man. You, you got to pay for the hosting, all this other shit. So really helps us out. We, of course, will give you a special treat. If you subscribe at any level to our Patreon, whether it's the lowest or the highest, I will send you a movie from my personal collection in the mail to your door. It'll get there eventually because I send it via media mail, which means, you know, whatever the post office feels like getting it to you, they'll get it to you. And on top of that, if you, if you do a higher tier, you get to have special perks. You get your name read out on the air. Myros, who, who's lucky enough to have their name read out on this podcast? You're lucky enough that I had this pulled up. Uh, it is Paula, <laughs> CWW, Dustin, Evan, and Ryan. Thank you very much. Oh. Just, just heroes. American yeah. heroes. Good people. Thank you. Good people. And then if you go even higher, you can, you can dictate actual content. And you know, another perk we don't talk about too much is if you're a $5 person, you do have the ability to vote on future content. And coming up in the next few weeks... We're going to have a poll for you guys with a couple different options for an episode. So stay tuned for that. If you're at the $5 level or if you're listening to this right now, fucking get in while the getting's hot because there's probably going to be two or three like really legitimate, interesting choices. And then at least one thing where I'm just trying to, you know, ruin my Russ's life. So uh, just, just remember that. Always remember that now. Yeah. And if you want to game the system, I mean, think logically, we're not men of infinite ideas. If we have on this poll three good ideas and one thing to torture me, uh, chances are those three good ideas are going to be episodes eventually anyway, so why vote for them? This is true. This is yeah. true. Yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> We're definitely, what do you think we got, like, creativity going on back here? Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can, of course, tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. Uh, you should, you should follow us too. We're, uh, I, I think we're, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close to a thousand followers on Twitter. And how great is that? I don't know how fucking great it is. It's pretty great, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you can also email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myro standing by as always hitting refresh on the inbox. So yeah, you could shoot us an email. How great would that be? Other than that, uh, I guess we'll be back next week. Jake, last word's yours. I'm fucking back, baby. 